Welcome, guys. Welcome to the live stream. Uh, if you're catching this on the replay, I want to say thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. This is going to be a good one. Uh, I'm very excited about this one. I've been thinking about this one for a while. Uh, this is podcast episode number 16 of my podcast. Um, I've titled this, The Lord Sat Me Down in This House. This one's not an easy one, and this one is one that I don't believe a lot of people could share because it's it's difficult to talk about tough times. It's difficult to talk about struggle. It's difficult to expose yourself. And But I believe that uh, growing is exposing and reflecting is exposing. So I'm excited to get into this. I'm excited to share it. Uh, I attempted to use some other technology to make this a little bit more easy on my side, uh, but I have very bad internet where I live. I am excited for the day that I get fiber again. It's gonna, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna change everything, and I'm excited about that. I'll be able to do more technology where we don't have buffering. So uh, today's a good day. It's already halfway through the week already. I don't look at the week as a hump week, or I don't get excited on Thursday because it's almost Friday. We try to live every day the best we can, and we try to go forward. Um, but today, I want to talk about something difficult. Uh, I'm going to talk about something that is a little difficult for me, and I'll be honest with you. If you're on Facebook and you're watching and you're wondering why I might not be looking straight into Facebook, is because we're streaming on Facebook and YouTube. I'm recording this also for my podcast, so I'm speaking into a mic over here that uh catches me clearly and make sure that everything that I say is recorded correctly um, in good quality because like to multi-purpose stuff. So let's jump into the content today. Um, my background, a little bit about me. Um, I was a teacher in Fort Worth, Texas at a, at a 6A high school. It was a super large high school. And I did that for a while, uh, for several years. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed teaching. I just hated the system. I hated that I couldn't reach kids where they were. And they're so ingrained in their beliefs. They weren't breaking out of them. Uh, plus, I got cussed out a ton. And I, I couldn't live with myself knowing that 14 and 15-year-old kids could tell me to shut the F up. Um, so I wasn't headed anywhere great. I was just going to be at some point be burnout, bitter, mad, angry. I don't know. So I, I joined a home business and, uh, I was headed in a good direction. Very good. Um, we did well, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know the shift or I don't know if that's how I started, but I was headed in a direction that, what I was striving for didn't match who I was as a person. Um, I desired things that, uh, that I don't believe matched my faith and I don't believe it matched who I was material things, uh, almost in a sense of looking at people and idolizing them and really, really like falling out of what my beliefs were, what I, what I, what I internally believed. And, um, I believe that when I was on this path, I got a lot of ego. My ego got puffed up because we had success, quote unquote success. Um, a lot of arrogance that I was good at what I could do. I could talk well. I could speak well. I could share a message well. And I got puffed up with pride because I was proud of myself that I went from this broken high school teacher to a guy that could create money on demand and success. I could recruit people. I could sell. Um, so about 2016, I was like on this ego trip high. Um, 
I didn't like where I was headed. I didn't. I felt in my spirit. I was like, man, there's something wrong with this. Um, so we moved to Grapevine. Uh, and the way that the Lord moved it for us was very, we couldn't get it. We couldn't get any places. So we sold our house in Fort Worth and we were like, Hey, we got to move somewhere. So Bianca could have a baby. Well, the only place that, that opened up that actually was quick for us to move in was like about a mile from the birthing center, super expensive in Grapevine. But we needed to, we needed to have that when we look back, because Bianca went into labor, had the baby like 40 minutes later, uh, by the time we got to the birth center, she had that baby in like 10 minutes. So had we lived in Fort Worth, she probably would have had the baby in the car, which could have been disastrous. It could have been fatal. It could have had really bad uh, implications. Um, so we moved there. We couldn't afford it. So after she had the baby, we uh, we moved to a small town where my wife's from. And uh, uh, thank you all for watching. Everybody's on the live stream. Uh I'm recording this for the podcast, so I'm not as going to be as in tune, but uh, we moved to this small town. I thought, man, it's going to be great. I was raised in a small town. I loved it growing up. My experience this time around in a small town in 2016, 17, 18 is not what I experienced growing up. I believe that a lot of small towns in America are very sick and hurting, and there's reasons why I won't get into every one of them. Uh, a lack of good food, a lack of outlets for things to do. There's just not as many things to do. So you get like stuck in this, man, I've got all this technology now. Back when we were growing up, we only had like 20 something channels or something. And we had to go out a lot to go have friends, to go have experiences. But now with the technology and you have everything on your phone, if you live in a small town, you're mostly just stuck in your house because there's not anything to do. It's hot in Texas. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about here talking about how the Lord sat me down and what he did is he moved us to this small town and he caused our income from what we had done. We had done it. We had done well in our business, but we made just enough to pay the bills and we made just enough not to really struggle financially, but to not prosper to where we could do a lot of things. So we we're basically stuck in this town with enough money to live, bought a house. We bought this house that I'm in right now in my office and it was sat here for five years. It was vacant. Um, it, we've, I've hauled out over, uh, 20 tons of garbage from this house. I've remodeled this house and I'm going to talk about that, but we got this house and it financially strapped us because we had to pour a lot of money to fix this thing. And we knew we would, it wasn't like, Oh man, my gosh, we didn't see that coming. We saw it coming, but I had a lot of ego, a lot of pride, a lot of arrogance. I can do anything. So I was like, I'm going to remodel that whole house myself. Um, so we signed that house, this house, and started went and working on it. But also realized that uh, the money that we built was based on a system that if you didn't keep pushing the system, the money would kind of uh, fade away a little bit. So at the same time that we bought this house, I uh, I started a business. I took my income tax return and I, I built a snow cone stand. I literally I bought a trailer and I built it with a hammer and nails. And I built this trailer uh, and uh, I started a snow cone business that when I was younger, my parents had like five or six of them up in the panhandle. We had one in Panhandle, Texas, Wheeler, Texas, Shamrock, Texas, Elk City, Oklahoma. Uh, we had one in, I believe, uh, uh, where was the one in uh, 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 
Quartz Mountain. We had one in Pampa, Texas. We had a lot of snow cones growing up. So I knew how the business worked. And I knew that in this small town where I lived, they had one, but it did not have a drive through. And so I was like, man, if I can put a drive through, I can build a business that'll kick all these other snow cones out of town. I actually ended up being two other competition here. And I built that snow cone. I built a trailer all the way up. Took me one month to build it. Um, so I conceived this idea, I believe in, uh, March by the end of April, we had that snow cone stand up and running. So we were remodeling a house and working the snow cone stand. So we were like very stretched and it got to a point where the snow cone stand was working. I, we had, we hired a bunch of, uh, people, kids to work it and we, we made money every day. It's cash business. We did good. Uh, we run it this summer and we're doing well with it too. Uh, but I became real stretched and I was remodeling and doing the snow cone stand. And I just, I just, I got to a point where I just like had complete unhappiness and unfulfillment. And, uh, it got to a point last summer, probably around this time a year ago, I literally didn't have a drive to do anything, nothing. And I would sit in the garage, which is, which is, I don't, I don't understand why. I don't know why, but I made it my spot. And I would sit on some, uh, like a makeshift area that I had. I had my little area and the garage was uninsulated. So it was super hot. Like, so it's hundred degrees now, but I'm sitting in a garage that's hotter than hundred degrees. And I'm just sitting there every day. And it was a, I would come to the house at eight o'clock in the morning. We were living with our in-laws and I really didn't like that. Cause as a man, I just, we had to stay there in one bedroom and I couldn't put my kids in this house. So I would wake up at eight. And I'd come over here to the house and I might do a little bit of work for an hour, but for, there would be days where I wouldn't touch this house because I couldn't stand it. But I didn't want to be over there like a bum laying on the couch. So I would come over here and um, I would I would start to work where I'd sit down. And, and so I wrote this. I was like, I would sit for days on end in that garage, feeling sorry for myself, wanting to blame others for my situation. But I couldn't. I want, I wanted to blame somebody for why I was living in a small town that didn't have good food. I had no friends here, no family here, except for my wife's family. Wasn't happy. I was remodeling a house that I thought I would do. Uh, I was working a business that if you're in the snow cone stand business, like we are, you're there every day. Um, you can't take days off and it's a cash business. So you got to be there with your employees to open and close. Cause you just gotta, you gotta monitor it and make systems. So I was sitting here and I was trying to blame somebody, but then I came to like this conclusion and this is where you can take some information from everything and you can learn it. I realized internally that I was literally just a collection and accumulation of the actions and decisions I've made in my life. Like I couldn't blame anybody else because it wasn't like we were broke. We made enough money to live. We weren't broke. And I had a lot of first world problems. Like there were people struggling for real. And I'm over here feeling sorry for myself being like, man, I'm in this house. I'm in this garage. I don't have any goals. And it was torture for me. It was torture for me, pure torture. I didn't have any goals. I had no ambitions, no desires. And what the worst thing about doing this whole situation for me was there wasn't an end in sight right? There wasn't an end in sight. And so it put me in a low place, super depressed, super. 
bad, the worst I've ever been. I basically disappeared on social media because uh, I felt like, well, how can I go in there and be positive and be Mr. Motivation and go help people? And I can't even help myself. I ain't going to sit there and preach something or teach something if I don't feel good. I can't do that. I'm about being a real person. And so I kind of quit doing all my Facebook lives and everything because I just can't put myself out there as happy if I'm feeling like crap on the inside. So I let my health go, my physical health. I quit working out. I quit eating. I just, not quit eating, quit eating good, healthy food. Just ate a lot of garbage, fast food, totally in the tank. I let my mental health go. I stopped reading. I stopped listening to uh, positive stuff, stopped listening to podcasts. I started going more towards entertainment, started going more towards like talk radio, sports radio, stuff that really didn't benefit my life, but just entertain me because I needed to be entertained or I needed to check out. Right. So, and I let my spiritual health go. Absolutely. I quit walking with the Lord and I, and I just got mad. I got angry. I got bitter about my life. And I just, I wanted to blame somebody, but then I couldn't blame nobody. And I just would tell myself, I put myself here. I put myself where I was and uh, it's my fault. So I, I did have a, maybe the right mindset on it because I knew who to blame, right? I wasn't, I couldn't blame anybody else but myself, but that made me feel even worse because I knew I did it, right? I looked like crap and I felt even shittier on the inside. I did. I was disgusted with who I saw and especially knowing that I had greatness, knowing that I was, I, I've been born in his image and that we all have greatness within us. And you can see, I, there's a picture I have in September. I'll never take it down. I had this beard out to here. I just had this hair like crazy. I just didn't care. Like it let go. Right. And so the Lord sat me in this house on an indefinite end to deal with a lot of this stuff that I had in me that I hadn't dealt with and that I believe if I hadn't came back to here, if I hadn't um, experienced these trials and tribulations and I had experienced super uber success, it would have destroyed me. And sometimes I feel like those are blessings and it's like a curse at the same time because it's not easy. Uh, but I wrote some stuff. Um, uh, I said, so I labored on this house and I remodeled it. We live here. We've lived here since October. This house is beautiful on the inside, on the outside. It's still got its old color. It's like a peach color, but on the inside, this house is beautiful. We, we built this huge kitchen, me and my best friend, Robert, we built these cabinets together. We've got this amazing looking white, black marble, uh, in the kitchen and we got it for such a good price. We shopped around. We did it right. I laid uh, the majority of the tile here. I, this house is beautiful because I spent so much time and gave it so much care because it was mine. Okay. So it's beautiful, but really this house is just a metaphor for my life because really while I was outwardly remodeling this house, I was inward remodeling myself and having a lot of discussions with myself. Cause you're in your head, you know, you're, you're doing sheetrock work. You're doing work. You're, you're thinking a lot and you're going, man, what got me here? Where did I trip up or where did I, um, where did I go wrong? Right. Where did I fail and why? Right. So I had to literally tear everything out of myself that didn't serve my purpose and didn't push me in my faith. 
and I had to rebuild myself. So when I rebuilt this house, I actually rebuilt myself. Uh, and it, it strengthened me. I'm way more strengthened. Like I'm balanced. Like I'm, I used to say before that people would, couldn't make me dance. I honestly believe that they really could have made me dance. No one would make me dance because I know who I am and I know what I'm about. Um, so uh, I always ask myself what I can learn from any situation. And here's where I'm going to draw some key nuggets on what I've learned and what I've thought about deeply. So I just gave you all kind of a background. If you've got any value from this podcast, feel free to share it out because um, I'm going to drop. I've got about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 17 things I learned from this whole experience. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to drop them, maybe quick fire, maybe, maybe elaborate. I don't want to go too long, uh, cause I still want to go do some other stuff today, but here's what I've learned in the last two years about me as a person, about life in general and about hard, difficult times. Because if you're struggling, if you're going through a dark and deep time, there's a reason. And uh, it feels like utter despair, like you can't be pulled out of it. I used language like that. I was like, man, I've created a prison for me. And literally, I kind of did because I had to show up here every day to work um, or I felt like a bum. And uh, I, I calculated in 2016 after we bought, 17 after we bought this house, I took less than, I think, 20 days off the whole year. And that includes weekends. So I think there's 52 weeks, right? There's over a hundred weekend days. I only took 20 days off or less for the whole year. I sat in this kind of like, it was like a boiler room, super hot. And uh, I experienced a lot. So here's what I learned. Having a lot of material resources can destroy you if you're not ready for them. My only goal in life before I moved to this house, house was I wanted to be a top earner in my network marketing company and I wanted a six-figure ring. That was my purpose or what I told myself. That's the lowest bullshit I've ever heard in my life. When I hear it, I go read my journals. That's low. That's not higher life. That's not a divine life. That's not a life that has a purpose. That's a goal, but it's not a purpose and it shouldn't drive you. Material riches are great if they're used for the right things. So having access to a lot of these can be damaging. I know what would have happened if I'd have had a uh, $20,000, dollars $50,000 income. I didn't have that a month. I would have bought crazy cars. I would have financed houses or cars that I could not have afforded and I'd have gone deeper into debt without paying off my college student loans. And I would have been so in balance I would have been spending money just as fast. I feel like I've changed a little bit on that. I don't even want a fancy car. I could give two shits about a network marketing company's car program. I want a truck. I want a truck. And it doesn't have to be new. I don't care about that. Actually, I probably wouldn't even buy a new vehicle because of the depreciation. I just want a truck. That's all I want. I want a truck because I like doing things and I hate asking people, can I use your truck to go get things from Home Depot and Lowe's? I like going to Home Depot, not so much Lowe's anymore. That kind of made me mad, but I like going and getting stuff and working in the yard and sweating and, and building. And I can't do it with the Mazda three that I drive fully paid off. 
right? There's no loan on that. And I'm happy driving that car as opposed to taking a loan where I'm paying five or $600 a month for a vehicle that obviously I couldn't afford. Afford. I want to buy a truck with cash. That's what I want. Second thing I learned, the biggest hindrance for a balanced, successful life, uh, biggest hindrance for a balanced, successful life is yourself. You're your biggest hindrance. If you can't get out of your way, you won't have a balanced life, a balanced, successful life. And success isn't necessarily monetary. It can be, but that's not necessarily what it is. Success could be you're successful in the day. You're successful as is a balanced life. And so I talk about this on my podcast. If you haven't heard it, you can check it out on iTunes. Just search uh, me or I've posted it in Facebook. Um, I talk about balance. And I believe there's three areas in life where we can become balanced people. One is health. One is the doing the work of your life, which is your purpose and your passion. And one is happiness. And when I talk about health, I talk about your physical health. I talk about your spiritual health. And I talk about your, your psychological health. Because as a human, we're three parts. We're a tripartite man, a human being, this vessel. Um, you'll see a lot in faith-based uh, circles You'll see a lot of people who spend a lot of time working on their spiritual life, but they neglect their health life. They do. They're not healthy. You can look. A lot of them have big fat belly guts and a lot of them are not healthy. Even Paul talks about how even a little physical exercise is profitable. I believe that being a healthy person, putting good fuel in your body, um, taking care of what you eat and exercising will give you more energy, more vitality, more mental capacity and more drive, more it, it'll allow you to be a more proper vessel to go forward in your spiritual life. So the biggest hindrance you have in your life and in your way, you allow pride and ego and arrogance to come in and to rob what you should be doing, right? So the, the next thing that I learned is that we're merely vessels of clay. We're merely a vessel. Time traveling through this life and this vessel is all that we have. We have one body. That's it. This is what we have here today. And it's a vessel and it's clay. It's rough. You come into this life as a teenager when you start to be your own person and you're rough. You got a lot of rough in, in edges. Right? So we fill ourselves with a bunch of stuff. We fill ourselves with worldly pleasures. We fill ourselves with education. We fill ourselves with a lot of stuff. But that vessel is meant to contain one thing. Obviously, we're in this world. We gotta. We need to educate ourselves. We need to have some entertainment. We need to have a life, right? A, a normal human life. But we're these vessels. The fourth thing that I learned was that transformation is very difficult. And embracing it is how you grow the fastest. So we're these vessels that have these rough edges. And there's this transformation that takes place. And if you think about carbon... And how heat and pressure transforms that carbon into these precious stones, these diamonds. And that's how precious stones are made is through this heat and pressure and this transformation process. That's what I experienced in this house. The Lord sat me down in that garage in the heat, literally. And he transformed me to, I hope, I hope I have been transformed some. That is what I, my whole hope is, that I will be transformed more, that I will be going from glory to glory. But I believe that the Lord did transform me because he transformed my mind and my 
my desire to pursue him. And he, he, he worked off with sandpaper, with, uh, with sledgehammers, with uh, tools that I use on this house to knock off those hard parts on my vessel, right? Because I haven't arrived. No one ever arrives. You never arrive in this world. It doesn't matter where you get. You haven't arrived to anything. And if your whole idea is that I've arrived because I'm a top earner or I arrived because I've created income online or I've arrived because I have kids or I have arrived because I'm successful financially, you haven't even had your eyes open. If that's how you arrive, your eyes are not open. The eyes of your hearts are not open at all then because you'll never arrive. This is a... It's a journey that you're in and it's a long journey, so long, okay? The next thing I learned is that struggle is good for you. Struggle builds character. Struggle is vital. If you're not struggling, you're dying because we are struggling in this world. We struggle to breathe. You got to take that breath or you're going to die. So that struggle is there in metabolically inside your lungs, if we're not pushing ourselves, you're not living a balanced life. That's what I've learned. And so I realized that when I was in Grapevine and in Texas, I wasn't struggling. And if you're not struggling, you're not growing as a person. If you're not struggling to lift weights, you're not growing. You're not building muscle. You're not giving yourself the body that it needs to live a life healthy for the in, for the, your whole life. If you're not struggling to put good food in your body because you're resisting the temptations to eat horrible food, you're not gonna. It's not good. It, you're not gonna live a balanced life. Struggle is good for you. The next thing I learned is that comfort is your enemy. When you find yourself comfortable, you're in a, a spot where the enemy can come right in and he can devour you. I learned that. I got comfortable. I got super comfortable and I lost myself in my purpose. And the Lord sat me down and made me so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. He had me look at myself, look at my life, look at what I had tried to do by myself and realize I'm not going to give you comfort, Dennis. You need to be uncomfortable because you need to grow. So if you're hearing this and your life is comfortable, and what I mean is that is that you're not struggling and you're not doing things that are difficult, you're not going to grow as a person in this world. You have to do things that are difficult and that challenge you. Coming home from work, oh, it's hard. Oh, man, it's so hard. Oh, Got to get something to eat. So I'm going to eat something. I'm going to plop my ass in front of the TV. And I'm going to watch TV all day while I eat. And then I'm just going to go to bed and I'm going to repeat that over. That's comfort right there. The ease of human life today compared to even 100 or 200 years ago, the comfort, the technology has created so much comfort. Food is easy to get. It's easy to, to find the foods that are DNA. So our DNA as humans wants us to find these foods that... Uh, satisfy like a scarcity need. Like right back in the day, like finding sugar and finding like honey and stuff like that was like scarce. So when we found those, we were instantly attracted to, a, to it, right? That's why we can just binge on it. 
Plus it has a lot to do with our gut microbiome and what it gives us the cravings for. So a lot of people, I can't control my cravings. No, you cannot control your cravings because a lot of your cravings are created in your gut. But you're comfortable eating these foods and you're not struggling to stop them. Like, hey, I'm not going to do that. It takes a lot of willpower and discipline to create healthy eating habits Habits and saying I'm going to be a healthy person is not good enough. You got to put like chopping blocks on stuff. Okay. Comfort is your enemy. That's what I learned. Second, the next thing, this isn't the second thing. The next thing, money will not free you. I figured it out last year. I made the most money I ever made in 2017 and I was the least free I'd ever been in my life. I didn't have a house to give my family. We worked that snow cone stand and you have to be there every day. So there's no days off. Like our getaway last summer was to drive to San Angelo to rent a hotel, to stay the night, to get away. After we closed the stand, obviously we closed the stand around seven, eight, we drive to San Angelo, we'd stay the night and we'd wake up in the morning. We'd be like, oh, this is freedom just to wake up, to go to Sam's, to buy supplies, to go home, to open the stand. And we did that every day. More money does not equal freedom. Okay. Freedom is in your mind. Freedom is in your person and what you do and what you pursue. That's where freedom is. It's in your spiritual being. Freedom is there. So if you think money will free you, once you get that money, you won't be any near free, uh, freer than you thought you would be. I thought that money would free up how I felt when I was teaching. Oh man, I'm going to get free of being around all this world and being around these kids cussing me out. Money is going to free me. That's why I'm going to pursue that so heavily. And I chased the business at the cost of so many. I'm going to talk about that, but I chased it at all costs. And then I got here and I'm in 2017. I'm like, I'm not free at all. I got to do this house because I bought this house and made a commitment. And if I didn't show up to work, no one else would. And so I wasn't free, not at all, not even close. The next thing I learned, self-responsibility. And this one might be the most important one for me as a person. And I said it earlier. So if you're just new on the, on the stream or you just tuned into the podcast, we as individuals and human beings. Go out, Denny. I'm on, I'm on doing this. Go. We are an accumulation of all of our decisions and actions. Hold on one second, guys. All right, I'm back. I got a four-year-old. So this must be a good point because he came in right at this one. So this one might be the highest point because that's what happens typically is when you find something good or when you're sharing an experience, why would I been? I've been in here for a, a, a little bit, right? So why now? So this is an important one. This was what tells me. It confirms it inside me. We are an accumulation of all of our decisions and actions. Like we're not even people. We are. And I don't want it to be sound like a weird thing. We're these vessels. But we literally today, where you're breathing, where you're sitting, where you're living, what you're doing is an accumulation of every decision and action you've made as an adult. There is no outside. They didn't make you do it. The government didn't make you do it. Your parents didn't make you do it. No one put a gun to your head and made you make every decision. They didn't make you make decisions about when you usually go to bed, when you usually wake up, what you ate in the morning, what you put in your body, what you watched. That is all you. 
And so when you can go and own up and go, you know what? You're right. That is me. You can start waking up a little bit and realizing that, wow, I put myself in here. If you love it, wonderful. If you not, wonderful. It's wonderful realization when you realize that you're the reason you're there. Because then you can also realize and you can deduct from that logic that if you if you got yourself there from A to B, you could take yourself to where you want to go in life. But it's going to go down to the fibers of human living, which is your actions, your decisions, because you're the only one you can control. And I've said this on other podcasts that in my family and in my life, hold on, I got... In my family, in my life, I'm the most important person in my point of view, not in a selfish way where I don't love my family or my wife, but I'm the most important because I'm the only one that I have hundred percent autonomous control over. I only can control what I do day to day. So why I'm the most important is because my actions can be fatal for my family or my actions can provide life for my family. And I hope my wife has that idea where she sees herself as the most important person in our family. And that's how you have to see yourself. You are the most important because you're the only you, right? You're the only person that's you. And you're the only one that controls all your actions. All right. That's a very big one is the self-responsibility. The next thing that I uh, I learned when the Lord sat me down this house is isolation and reflection is good, but in moderation and not extremes. I'm going to preface everything I said. I sat in that house. There was a point in this house where no one came over here for like 60 to 70 days. So I was here every day and no one came over. Just me. I've got family in this town, my wife's family. I got my wife. She didn't come over. But no one came to check on me. No one came to ask how I was doing. Nobody. I handled that because I had done a lot of personal development work. I knew, and I came to the realization quickly that I was a responsible person of my, I was responsible for my actions. It's kind of how my dad raised us, right? But it's only good in moderation, isolation and reflection, because if you spend too much time alone, you might not come back out of that darkness. If you reflect too much, you might see so much despair and negativity and darkness that you might not come out of it. So I say in moderation, sometimes we have to shut out the world and we have to have some conversations with ourselves that are difficult. Sometimes we got to shut out everything and we've got to reflect on our life. And that might be going out into nature by yourself. That might be taking a weekend to go somewhere that you haven't been and just and not to go and be busy doing stuff, but just to sit down and and think about things in your life. That's what I was able to do in this house a lot. I've worked by myself a lot. Um, and I realized that I had to reflect a lot and I reflected a lot and it, it strengthened me. It transformed me. It, it, it made me think about what I really want and what I don't want. It made me go, I don't like the path I'm leading. I want to do better. I want to, I want to pursue the Lord more. And I, and I, and I awakened from it and I, and I'm awake, awakening still as I go. Whoop, whoop, sorry. Got a little boisterous with my hands. So here's the next thing. And this goes more towards uh, technical stuff. 
Everything costs something in this world. Everything. Everything has a price. Everything. When you wake up has a price. When you go to bed has a price. What you put in your body has a price. What you focus on has a price. Me spending time here right now has a cost. There's a cost for this. Everything has a cost. So when you look at it that way and you have that reflection that everything costs, and I realized it in this house, <clears throat> down to every single nail and screw that I put in this house, there's a cost. And when you have that perspective, maybe you'll spend your capital, your time capital, your relationship capital differently when you value it differently because you understand that the, there's always going to be a debit when you spend something or when you do something, there's always a debit. Now, there also can be a, a credit, right? You can always be de depositing, right? So uh, everything costs something in this world. There's nothing free. So you got to be very aware of that, that what is the cost of this? What is the cost of pursuing a home business? Maybe in the old way where you're gone. I know there's people in my company that I'm in that they've attained. They make 500000 or more a year, but they're gone 28 days out of the month and they've got little kids under 10. What's that cost? I won't pay that cost. I've done that cost with Denny. I've been in, I remember being in Fort Worth, making my calls. I've talked about it. If you've ever been to any, listen to anything I've said before, I'd make 40, 50, 60 calls a day. After I got home from coaching, it was late. And I remember Bianca, she understood. She wanted me home. We paid that cost because I missed a lot of it when he was young. But I had this weird, sick, twisted ideology that, well, I'm doing this for Denny. I was doing it for myself. So you have to understand that things cost and there's a value and you're trading time and you're, you're making a cost. Okay. Tough times give you an opportunity to build character. When things are tough, you have an opportunity to build your character. Embrace it, build that character. When things are tough, you need to see, uh, did I, did I write that? Oh, wait. Yeah. When things get tough and you get down, your real friends and family will be there. They'll message you. They'll send you messages. They'll check on your health, your mental well-being. I, I took notes up here. I took notes up here and there's no anger, maybe a little disappointment. I had people who reached out to me and were like, dude, you don't even look good. What's up? I'm going to pray for you. And we might not even been really good friends, but they could see me last year and they knew they sensed it family member checking on me then i had a lot of family members that didn't do jack nothing no checking on me no like what's up i took mental notes took mental notes and you got to you got to know who's going to be there for you when you're down because there will be a lot of people there for you when you're up right but there won't be as many when you're down and you got to know who those people are because you got to know who to take advice from and who to listen to, and who to allow to influence you. It made 100% clear who was really in my corner. And, and that's a good awakening. It really is. Okay, so let's shift this a little bit. One thing I learned in this house, by the Lord putting me here to remodel this, was professionals keep their tools clean. They keep themselves clean. This is a practical matter. I'm a professional human. 
What does that mean? That means I'm going to treat my life in all phases, all aspects in a professional manner. That does not mean that I'm rigid. That does not mean that I'm a robot. That does not mean that I don't have humanity. That means professionals keep their tools clean. Amateurs are dirty as hell. I know. I laid the tile in this house and I had never laid tile before. I did a damn good job and I'll pat myself on the back for it. Even my friend came and said, Dennis, you got balls, man. You could have screwed this thing up. This thing could have been a floating ocean of tiles. He's like, you did a stand up, bang up job. Did a good job. And he's a professional. He does this. He builds houses. He knows. He's been around people. He knows. When I laid that tile, every day when I come home, I was covered in mortar. Covered from head to toe. Bianca was like, damn, did you get in a fight with the mortar bucket? Literally, head to toe, covered in it. Every day. Um, I didn't take care of my hands. I had my hand in that in the water bucket a lot. My hands got old people hand. And then you mess with that... Uh, the mortar, which is just a lot of sand. And it, it literally, there was one day I had like 10 cuts on my hands, but I kept pushing myself to lay the tile because I wanted to be here faster. Uh, but I was covered every day. I was an amateur. I didn't keep myself clean. I brought in my best friend, Robert, and he brought a friend. They laid tile for like three days. Those dudes didn't get a drop of mortar on them. I mean, I'm not... I'm not even exaggerating. Like their clothes were good. Like they could, they could have gone to Walmart after they worked all day and they wouldn't have just been in this mortar mess. Like I was professionals, keep their tools clean. Professionals keep their lives clean. Professionals are organized. Professionals are neat and tidy. Amateurs are dirty. Amateurs are loose with what they do. They're loose with their words. They're loose with their actions. They're not tight. They do not keep their tools clean. So if you can take what I say there, you just have to use it in that context. Okay. Here's another thing I learned in this house. Asking questions is so important for finding the best ways to do things. There's an order to do things in a house. There's an order to do things in your life. I literally did everything in this house in the wrong order and the wrong way. Got everything right. But I painted part, part of the house before I finished texturing and sheetrocking the other part of the house. I didn't do the order. Throw the sheetrock up. Tape and float. Texture. Come in. Paint with your primer. Then after you got your primer, you paint with your, you paint the ceiling and the, and the, you prime the ceiling, paint the ceiling, paint the walls. Then you come in, prime the walls, paint the ceiling first. Cause when you paint the ceiling, it's going to have overspray down. Right. And this is a large house. If you were a crew, you'd come in here with a paint sprayer and spray it. Then you could either paint the walls, probably, probably roll the walls. Then after you roll the walls, you're going to throw up the trim and do the trim. There's an order in life. Asking questions on how to do things shows you how the best way to do it is. So when you just are balls to the walls, like, hey, man, I'm going to remodel that whole house and not ask questions. You might do something dumb like I didn't understand what uh, door jam was. G-A-M-B, J-A-M-B, right? There's door jam. So what I was doing was I was literally sheetrocking, taping and floating, cornering all the closets 
and I spent a lot of time because I'm I'm meticulous. So I'm telling you, I did it. You couldn't tell that they were uh, metal corners. They looked solid. My friend was like, "Hey, that was a good job doing sheetrock. Why the hell did you do that?" I was like, "Well, what else do you do, right? You got to have edges for the closets." He said, "Well, you use door jam." I was like, "What the hell is that? I don't I don't know what that is." He said, "Why didn't you ask me? Why didn't you ask me what's the best way to do closets?" And I was like, "I don't know." I was, he's like, "Because the, with the door jam." You use shims and you get the exact distance you need to put your bifolds in for your closet doors that we used. So what I was doing was just sheet rocking and then I textured and tape and floated it. And then I was like, oh no. And he's like, yeah, you got to rip all that out and put door jam. It looks just, it looks better. So I did it. I did everything twice because I didn't ask any questions. Okay. The next thing I learned, <clears throat> being a jack of all trades will give you mediocre results at best you need to um you need but I'll, I'll say this being a jack of trades is not bad because you understand how things work and it can protect you in situations so home business example if you understand how websites are built if you understand how marketing ads are used if you understand um pay-per-clicks, if you understand marketing in general, $500 to do this for me, or they want $10,000 to build a website, you're smarter. And the next thing is you need to hire professionals for jobs that you're not a professional at and pay them what they're worth. I will never throw tile again, ever. No, I'm going to pay a tile guy because it's not worth it to me. And I'm not a professional at it. And I don't want to be a professional at laying tile. I don't want to be a professional at she rocking. I don't want to be a professional at this stuff. So I'm going to pay professionals what they're worth. I've learned that in this house. And I, so I, I need, you know, you got you to gotta hold yourself to that. Pay yourself what you're worth if you own a business. Pay yourself your time, but make sure that you're not too big and bold and proud to uh, outsource and stuff. And I know we went long here. I've already been on for 45 minutes. This one was a tough one for me because kind of exposed a lot about me, right? I, I went through this journey. I went through this process of uh, having to deal with a lot of ego and pride. And uh, it's not easy to reflect on your life and realize that if you're in a crappy situation, that you're the one that put you there. There's no government to blame. There's no society to blame. If you're an adult, you're in your 30s or older. There's, there were decisions, right? There were forks in the road that you could have gone left or you could have gone right. And if you keep making bad decisions, then you're going to continue to be in a bad life. But what's beautiful about understanding that you're an accumulation of your decisions is that you can change and go to a new destination. That's my message. And I had to go through a process of a lot of heat and pressure that the Lord put me through to make me realize what my passion and purpose is. And I believe that you will too. And that's my message that if you're in a tough place, if you're down, if you're depressed, if you're despair, keep your head up, keep your head up because this life, and I probably will see it. This life is hills and valleys, but you're always higher when you're low, then your lowest point when you started it. Maybe, maybe that's true. I don't know. I was in a low place last year, very low. That's why I disappeared. But I've been awakened and I'm awakening every day, realizing that if I put enough good actions in a row, 
and I accumulate these and I compound these actions that it's resulting in a balanced life and an optimized life where I can reach forward to the greatness that I know that I have inside me and I know that everybody has because we're made in his image. We all have this human body that's amazing. We're these vessels, but we've got to be transformed. And it takes heat and pressure and time to transform yourself from where you are to where you need to be and where you're supposed to be. But a lot of people will not do this process because it's super uncomfortable. So when they start to experience that, they'll run away and they'll go seek out comfort. I didn't do that, but I'm a different type of dude. Um, I wasn't cut from the cloth of all these people on this planet. That's for sure. Different. I sat there. I sat there in self-pity, but I just didn't run away from it. I dealt with it. I asked myself the hard questions. And I believe that you can do that too. And that's my message today is that you can be sat down. You can be transformed and continue to be transformed. You can deal with the hard stuff. You can deal with your past, let it go, and you can go forward into the future. You can go forward and you can create a balanced life, a successfully balanced life. That is the true freedom in this world. So guys, I appreciate y'all listening. Um, I've been on here on this podcast for almost 50 minutes. That's my max. I don't go over that. So if you haven't checked out my other podcast, you can. I speak of a lot of deals on family, life, balancing yourself, business, business strategies. Um, I'm excited. This is my 16th podcast. We're going to continue this. This is fun. It's fun to chat. So I appreciate everybody who watched it live and I appreciate all the listeners on the podcast. As always, if you want to connect with me, you can connect with me on any social media, Dennis Ray Taylor or Dennis Taylor. Ask me any questions. Give me feedback. Um, I'd love to hear it. And I hope y'all have a blessed day. Thank you. And uh, yeah, maybe you got to be transformed a little bit. Amen. Have a, have a great day, guys.